Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Look at that again. Another unconditional. The Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord God will do these things, not us. Now, David just heard all this, this covenant material, this covenant wording. I'm going to do all this. It's going to happen. You'll be blessed from it. Your sons from you will be blessed. It'll be eternal. Can you imagine if you were David hearing all this, having heard all this incredible blessing? Would that not make you insanely crazy, super thankful? What do you think David's going to do? Take a look. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name? and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations, and their gods. For you have made your people, Israel, your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Friends, there is no other nation like Israel. There is none other. I've been there several times. It is a wonderful place. Israel had messed up really badly, okay? We know that through their history, biblical history. They messed up bad, but despite all that, God chose them. He chose them. Guys, do you see the redemptive nature? People think that, oh, no, if you mess up, you're done. No, God is still with his people. He has made covenants with his people, Israel. He's made promises to them. They messed up bad, but God still chose them. And what he said he's going to do here. He put them on a worldwide stage. He's going to make himself known through them so that everybody could see how God pours out his redemptive grace. Guys, think of it. Even today in our time, when you turn on the news, there's discussion about Israel. There's nations around Israel. They hate Israel because, quite frankly, they hate God. But Israel is always on a worldwide stage. That little bitty dot on the map is always all over the news. Why? Whenever Israel fell into sin, God would do the work to get Israel to turn in repentance back to him again. That's what all this is about. That's what all the history of mankind is about. Watching Israel. Whenever Israel messed up, he would send deliverers in to save them, to get them to repent and come back. Because when people watch, what God does through Israel, then everybody on earth is, regardless of their religion or their belief system, everybody on earth is going to see the Lord work 
through Israel. They will be witness to this. And then it would cause them to think to themselves in the same way. Well, wait a minute. But I messed up too. If he could do that for them, then he could also do it for me. Do you see how Israel plays in to you? He wants to draw you to himself. He wants you to repent and be saved and come to him. And he sent you a deliverer to try to get you to say, hey, come on, let's let's do this. God wants to forgive and restore all of us. And then from Israel's spotlight center stage display, other nations are going to be able to see how the Lord God of Israel works to save his people. Now, David is expressing, he's realizing this, what I just told you. David saw it from way back then on the other side. This is what's going to come through to everybody, and he sees how great this is, and he's trying to express the unspeakable measure of his thankfulness to God for doing such great things, not just for him, but what this is going to mean for eternity and affect many, many other people by the billions. Let's look at how David continues in his thanks in 2 Samuel 7 and 25. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant And concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Look, David's got the angle back, okay? He had the wrong angle. God, I think I need to build you a house. God says, no, I'm building you a house. And David goes, then let it be done. Let's do it. Now, the only way that David could respond to all of this was to simply acknowledge the Lord's goodness. Friends, I know you've asked the same question. Who am I? Why have you brought me this far? Friend, you just need to realize that the, the Lord God is good. I know you question yourself up and down and you think, but I don't deserve this. But you, you can't figure it out. It's, it's too good. It's too good, right? I don't believe it's too good because you don't realize the goodness of God. He's beyond your understanding to know how good he is. But guys, have you ever realized that it pleases the Lord to give? The Lord loves to give. Some people can't accept a gift. They get so hung up on the fact that they're not worthy of it. They, they just can't get over it. Have you ever realized the fact that the reason why God is so giving is because he likes to do it? God likes to give. He's a giving God. A lot of people think they have to have some part of the ownership or that they had to earn it somehow. No, God does all that work. You run yourself round and round and round a million different ways, exercising your almighty logic that you think stands up to God until you finally come to the point where you have to realize that we have what we have simply. Because God gave it to you, not because anything you did. God gave it because he's a loving, giving God, and he likes to do that. Please, friends, understand God likes to give. Stop trying to take ownership. Well, no, I, I got to do part of it. I, no, God gave it to you. He likes to do it. Let him give it to you. That's what David's finally getting. David started thinking, well, I got to give God something. I got to give him a house. I got to. 
I got to build this thing to get him out of that tabernacle. And the God says, no, I'm building you a house. And David goes, ah, I get it. Thank you. Let it be done. I want you to see in something in John three twenty seven. This is uh, John the Baptist. He answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Friends, everything you have, whatever you got, you did not go get that. Don't pride yourself. Well, I'm the one that's all ambitious and I've got to drive. No, you didn't get that. The Lord God gave it to you. Well, then why am I so successful? Because the Lord God has a plan in your life and it includes that stuff you got. You somehow thought you got it. You didn't get it. David did not get this kingdom. Remember, God says, hey, I I pulled you out of the sheep folds to come do this. You didn't do this. This ain't your doing. I did this. I brought you up as king. I'm building the house, not you. (laughs) Guys, we need to relate with David. We're not half as awesome. We're not a percent as awesome as we think we are. The Lord is awesome. So again, I want to ask you something. Have you ever realized what God has given you? If you listen to the world today, you'll get upset. I should have more. There's a whole world out there starving to death, and we're worried over here about all the stuff we want to have. I want more boats and cars and money and all. Baloney. Let me ask you, have you realized what God has given you? What God gave you? You didn't do it. You didn't choose. The, I, I didn't choose this body. You think I went to the body store before the year I was put here, and I went, oh, yeah, that I'll take that one right there. That's the body I want. I didn't choose this thing. <laughs> Have you realized what God has given you? You have a life to live. You've got your family. You have your very existence. Plus, you've been given also the ability to choose Jesus Christ so that you can go on to an even greater existence and eternal life after this little blip on the radar that we're in right now. We're in a blink, guys. This isn't the fullness of what God has to give you. This is nothing. Wait till you get to heaven. That'll be something. But doesn't the mere thought of an eternal kingdom that you get to be part of, by the way, doesn't that just overwhelm you to know that this is not a fable? This is real. This isn't some little story that just is put here to warm you up, make you feel cozy. This is reality. This is truth, the truth of God's word, that you are offered an eternal kingdom to live in under King Messiah Jesus. It it just overwhelms a person. And David is overwhelmed just looking for a way to express in mere words his thankfulness for everything that the Lord God has given him. Friends, don't fall into worldly thinking because worldly thinking makes people demand more. They want more stuff. They want more things. Consider the greater eternal things of the Lord God, the things that he's already offered you. How great you are, David said. There is no one like you. David had realized the awesomeness of God's selection of Israel and his great work of redemption for them. And to realize that we too, even us, we can recognize and jump into and be part of because God drew us. to get, He offered to draw us and pulled us into the Lord's redemptive work, not just for Israel, but for each one of us. Friends, do you realize that all of this is written about Israel so that you look at it and go, Hmm, I can have this apply to me too. Yes, it can. Look at what all he's doing for David and Israel. He offers to do that for you too, to redeem you back, even though you messed up, and give you eternity. But you got to realize that he established this eternal kingdom that even we Gentiles can be part of. 
Guys, I'm trying my best without getting too loud on the mic, because if I yell into the mic, it'll clip and it'll it'll distort. I can only get so loud here or else you're not going to be able to hear me. <laughs> There's people that just don't get excited about this stuff. They just don't. If the Bible doesn't excite you, you're not reading it. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm reading it, Ray. I can read. I read just like you. Yeah. But if you're not getting excited about it, you're not reading it. You, you're not. It's not getting into your soul, into your spirit, your in your heart. There's a lot of people that are just not excited. If they truly understood the wonderful things that the Lord God has given them, then they would always be honoring the Lord like David is here. They would be excited. And so, verse 26. If, if I'm, if you're tracking in with me, good. I got you. Come on in. Let's do this. In verse 26, David said. So let your name be magnified forever. I believe that David has passed this saying to down to the believers. It should be our motto. Our lives should say 2 Samuel 7 verse 26. Let your name be magnified forever. It magnified it means it means his name should be made more known through us. magnifying glass, when you look at something small, you want it to get bigger so you can see it. His name should be made bigger. We should be working in our lives to magnify the name of the Lord. Well, the Lord's name's already big, right? Well, what about your coworkers? Do they know the Lord? Do they know his name? Do they know the fullness of his name, what it means, the eternal nature, the eternal blessing, or is it just Sunday morning church uh, tradition? Most people hold it as that. They're not excited by the Lord at all. Uh, Sunday's my day to sleep in. I work hard, you know, and they're not excited about it. If they knew, they'd be in that church with the body of Christ getting excited about the Lord. In order to magnify the name of the Lord, we have to match ourselves up to David's attitude here in chapter 7 because he, I want you to notice something. At least maybe eight to ten times, David referred to himself as your servant. Did you see that? How many times he said it? I am a servant of God. I serve God. And the reason I'm stressing this so much is because our culture is teaching us that God is your servant, that God obeys you. Our culture is so selfish that they only pray when they want something. Lord God, I need more money. Lord God, I because I've got a bunch of problems, and if you just made me richer than I am, then I could be able to pay my way out of it. And that's like he's the genie in the bottle. Every time you want something, you rub it, and you get your wishes. And, and uh, okay, thanks. Now get back in the bottle and put the cap back on the bottle, and I've got my life, and I'll come back to you when I need something. God doesn't serve you. We serve God. That's the way it always will be. We need to learn to get our mindset right. We need to get our perceptions back out of the wrong way. Remember David had his perception off? And so we need to consider the ways that our lives should be glorifying God. If you will think of yourself as a servant, Lord, what do you want me to do? We need to consider that our lives need to be glorifying the Lord for all the things he has given us, for all the blessing he has given, already given, not all. I wish I had more. Well, that's not a servant attitude. That is a selfish attitude. We need to have a servant attitude. Ultimately. I want you to go out of here today understanding what the Davidic covenant is and what it means for us today. And just a little FYI, you can also read about this covenant in 1 Chronicles 17 and 11. It says, And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons. And I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build me a house 
and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. This is David's son Solomon, and Solomon was very well aware of this covenant, because we see in Second Chronicles 6 and 16, this is Solomon talking, Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant, David, my father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, and they walk in my law as you have walked before me. And so this Davidic covenant is one of the pivotal moments in the Bible. First, God confirmed the promise of the land that he had made to Israel in the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. So you're going to have a land, you're going to have people. Okay, they're there. Now what? I will provide a place for my people, Israel. I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Now, the next part of the Davidic covenant is going to be that now there's going to be kings this land, and kings to rule on through eternity. And you know, people often try to say that the Bible is no longer relevant. It's not relevant to today. So that means it's ancient, it's old, we don't have to listen to it anymore. But I guarantee you, if you get on a plane and fly to a nation that is on the map called Israel, get off the plane, you will see that the Jewish people are there. I have been there several times. They are there. Trust me, they're there, which means that God's covenant is real. It is binding. They're still there. He promised he'd give them a place of their own, and there they are. So they get their own place to live. But the secondly, uh, how you can trust the relevancy of the Bible today is that God's promise that David's son, a son of David, would succeed him as king of Israel and would build the temple. He said, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. So you got the land. And so then you've got the kingdom of the land, and for this to go on for all eternity, what you need is a king. You need an eternal king. And the Lord said in verse 13, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Also in verse 16, God expands the promise even further by saying, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So what I'm getting at here is that the covenant was made With David, if it was made with a guy who in our day is long since gone, how can it be established forever? How can you establish a kingdom that goes on forever? By sending a king who lives forever. That's how you have a forever kingdom is by having a forever king. The Davidic covenant that promises a everlasting kingdom to be ruled forever by a son of David forever, then you need a son of David that lives forever. How do you do that? Matthew 21 and 9 says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Friends, that son of David who is eternal, who lives forever, who can carry the kingdom forever, is King Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord, who died on the cross for you and me, even the Gentile. This eternal king of the line of David to rule on the throne in Israel is none other than Messiah Jesus. That's how you have the eternal kingdom. (laughs) So, I asked earlier, probably up front, 
What is the importance? What importance does the Davidic covenant mean for you today? It means that you have the Lord Jesus Christ whose rule exceeds that of all the other authorities on this earth. And if you submit to his rule by giving your life to him, then he has the almighty power to bind his promise of eternal life and an eternal kingdom upon you, that you get to live in this kingdom forever with him. That is salvation in Jesus Christ. This is how the Davidic covenant is important for us even still today. We have an eternal king, King Jesus, who will rule forever. He will rule forever. Isn't that exciting? The the Bible better be exciting you or I wonder what's wrong with you. There's something off. (laughs) Okay. But in reflecting on your life now, consider the things that you have done against the Lord God. And that's something we all need to do for a minute because David, he had to be corrected. He had a hard time the first time around, but now he's getting it and he's excited. I want you to start getting to the same process that David did. You get angry when people tell you to repent. You just want to just blow up and, and huff and puff about it. Okay. That is, that's immaturity. We need to get to a mature point where the reason that people tell you to repent of what God's word says is sin is because they're trying to help you. They're trying to show you the blessing, blessing that you don't have. Oh, the Lord's blessed me plenty. And not like you're going to get if you'll get your life straight. You're missing the boat. We got to ask ourselves the question, what have I done against the Lord? I want to, I need to stop. I need to repent and turn around and do right. David even asked, who am I that you have brought me this far? I know that some of you hearing me, you're thinking, I don't deserve this. And you're asking the same exact question that David did. Who am I? Who am I that you brought me this far? So let's ask the question. Let's all ask it. I'm going to ask it. Who are we? Who are we? And I know right now you're thinking of all the terrible things you've done and how you've ruined it and things that you're embarrassed about and shamed of. And you're asking, who am I? I'll tell you who we are. We are those whom God created to love. God created us to love us. That's who we are. Who am I? Who am I, Lord? I know who I am. I'm one that you created to love me because God loves you. He cares. No, he doesn't. If God cared, he would blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. You've got the wrong angle. You need to look at God rightly. Correct. Let God correct you. Let him correct you. And when you do, you'll understand what he does with us. The reason he does these things and moves us here and there when we don't like it is because he's trying to put you on center track because he's trying to set you up for blessing. He's trying to set David up for blessing. Friend, maybe the Lord God is moving you because he's trying to set you up for blessing, and maybe you're upset about it because you can't see this yet. You're looking at it from the wrong angle. Let the Lord move you so you can go, oh, that's what he's doing. He's setting me up for blessing. I had to leave where I was or else I could never come to this new blessing. Let the Lord move you, my friend. And when you let him move you, you will understand that you are not worthless You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Father, I have sinned. I've messed up. Forgive me, Father. I give you my life. I give you my life. You are now Lord. I follow you. I submit to your rule. You are the king. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying in my place so that I could be saved. Thank you for this eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Drop me a line if you gave your life to the Lord today so I can encourage you and that you can encourage me by telling me about it. Go to setforliferadio.com. We'll see you next time. Come back. There's more in this word. Come get some. I could go on all day. Get out of here. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.